March 3rd, man. March 3rd. Last time I did one of these. But I'm back. I'm back. NFL season coming up soon. College football's even closer. The NBA won't be uh, far behind either of those. I, even the MLB playoffs coming up and everything, it, it, it's a perfect time. This is the pickup. I'm Kevin Walsh. Uh, I'm excited to get into everything. We're going to talk about some of the big stories in the NFL, uh, but we're going to start with some basketball, so let's take off. So we are going to take off with the NBA, and it is going to be related to the awful news that DeMarcus Cousins tore his ACL. It could cost him his entire season, and if that is the case, it would not be surprising to see the Los Angeles Lakers actually then waive him to create an open roster spot. And this is a tough loss for the LA Lakers. I really thought there was a chance that DeMarcus Cousins could come in for this team and play near an all-star level. When you look at his per 36 numbers for the Golden State Warriors for what he did in the regular season, he was averaging 23 points, 11 and a half boards, and 5 assists. Now I know that's per 36, but DeMarcus Cousins is not a guy that's typically only playing 25 minutes a night. And even for him to get hurt like he did go down in the opening round of the postseason and work all the way back just to play minutes in the finals was encouraging. I know it was hit or miss, but again, the fact that he had hit moments was encouraging, and then he looked so good already coming into this offseason. There was nothing but positive stuff coming out in terms of DeMarcus Cousins and how he was looking and that he was going to be getting back to his regular self. He said that his goal for the year was to be able to play 82 games and now this leaves a hole and the question becomes how will the Lakers fill it and honestly I think there is a world that this injury could actually end up benefiting the LA Lakers but as you heard from everything I just said this is not a situation of addition by subtraction I think that he still is an incredibly talented basketball player and would have brought a lot of value to this team. And this is not related to any of the off-court stuff that, or any of that baggage that comes with DeMarcus Cousins. I did not think that that would be a problem in LA. But I do think that this actually could benefit them because DeMarcus Cousins was not the best option for this team at the five when it came to crunch time or the postseason, and he has the talent to command crunch time moments and postseason playing time. But I don't think he was the best option. But I don't think it's JaVale McGee either. And it's damn sure not Joaquin Noah or Dwight Howard. The best option for the LA Lakers at the five is Anthony Davis. And it has been talked about a lot a lot with AD making this move to LA that his preferred position is not center. But now with this injury, with this void, I would love to believe that AD will do what is best for this team. And it becomes so abundantly clear now that they lost a player who was a big part of their offseason and was going to be a big part of this team. Keep in mind with Anthony Davis, for the last three years, he has played the majority of his minutes at the center position. Last year for the Pelicans, he played 
96% of his minutes, 96% at the center position. Now, you can argue maybe that that's part of the reason that he wanted out of New Orleans and the Lakers have to be careful because he hasn't signed that extension yet. But ultimately, we know that AD can play center and does it as good as anybody in the league. All the offensive stuff, of course. He is a mismatch nightmare, whether he is at the 5 or the 4. He is one of the elite rim protectors in all of basketball. He has been top 10 in total blocks three years straight. That includes last year when he only played 56 games and a lot of them on some limited minutes because of the trade request. He's led the league in blocks three times already in terms of blocks per game. Anthony Davis brings you Rudy Gobert-esque rim protection. He is a defensive player of the year candidate. You cannot let that go to waste by him playing the majority of his minutes at the four. Yes, you have to keep in mind long-term happiness, and they absolutely need to re-sign Anthony Davis. But now, after seeing this injury, Hopefully, AD sees the vision and understands that it's necessary. It did come out already that a Lakers source said that they don't plan on playing AD big minutes at the 5. And he does not need to play 96% of his minutes at the 5. But to me, the closing group for this Lakers and the optimal lineup for this Lakers team is with Anthony Davis playing the 5. Probably Kuzma at the 4, and then you fill out the rest of it with Avery Bradley, Danny Green, and of course LeBron James. That lineup right there has what you want. Versatility, shooting, playmaking, and defense with both rim protection in Anthony Davis and perimeter defense coming from Avery Bradley and Danny Green. That's what you want. That's your optimal lineup. That's what you're going to close with. With DeMarcus Cousins, that might have not been an option because of the time that he would command because of his talent. And ultimately, that optimal five might be better off for the Los Angeles Lakers. Their best option is not Joakim Noah, it is not Dwight Howard, it is more AD at the five. Let's talk NFL. Let's talk some football. Next week, I'm going to be doing my NFL preview. And included in that will be my prediction uh, for who's going to be making the playoffs. And every year, there is a team that everybody pencils in for the playoffs that doesn't make it. Last year, probably the perfect example was the Minnesota Vikings. A team that I think was won 13 games the year before. 12 or 13 games with Case Keenum at quarterback. They add Kirk Cousins. How is that team not better? How do they not win their division? Could they win the Super Bowl? And they end up missing the playoffs. And I, you, you, every year you try. You try and figure out who is the team that everybody's so high on that is going to disappoint. And unfortunately... I think the answer might be a bit obvious this year with the LA Chargers, and it is not because they are overhyped, but it is because all of the bad Chargers luck has seemed to come back. This is an this is a Chargers team that a couple months ago, when I was talking with friends about way too early Super Bowl predictions, who would make it? I was bringing up the Chargers name as my AFC prediction. 
I think when fully healthy, when all there, they might just have the best roster in football. They are one of five teams in the AFC to be favored when betting to make the playoffs. But I just don't know if it's there. Derwin James, their superstar on defense, is now going to be out for three to four months. And he is far from the first thing that has gone wrong for them this offseason. In fact, in reaction to that news, Anthony Lynn, their head coach, said that every year there's about three or four things that you don't expect you're going to have to overcome. And that's true. But it's really not supposed to all happen before this season even begins. Derwin James is as big a loss as probably any defense in football could suffer. As a rookie, makes first-team all-pro defense. And he might just be the most versatile defensive player in the league. Over 100 tackles, over 3 picks, with 3 sacks. He was tremendous last year. They could line him up all over the place. And now, you're never going to be able to get someone that can replicate all of that production. So you're going to have to substitute based on how you want to do that. And you can't disguise it as well because nobody is Derwin James. That is a massive loss for a defense that might just be, when fully healthy, the best defense in football. But already now they are going to be without their superstar or one of their superstars. On offense, they've also had a major loss, and it's not even one that you, not even the one that you're thinking about. Russell Okung, their starting left tackle, is out indefinitely. A, a, a scary situation where he is currently dealing with blood clots in his lungs, and there's no timetable on his return. It doesn't matter who you are. When your starting left tackle goes out, that's a big deal. And that news, and the only reason it slipped under the radar, is because of the Melvin Gordon situation. Anthony Lynn says three or four things you don't expect you're going to have to overcome. Before we even hit week three of the preseason, maybe their best defensive player, their starting left tackle, and their star running back all won't be there for week one, Maybe week two? Maybe week three? Maybe week four? I mean, there's no timetable on Okun. It could be the whole season. It could be the career. We don't know. Derwin James, three to four months. And Melvin Gordon, there hasn't been a lick of good news for Chargers fans that want to see Melvin Gordon return. Honestly, this has been going on so long, people have probably forgotten. Melvin Gordon requested a trade. That's how much... He wants to get paid. He is not going to be giving you some type of discount. The Chargers are going to have to decide. Either they're paying him a record-breaking or close to record-breaking contract for a running back. Or he is not showing up. When you're doing these preseason predictions, when you're going through and you're trying to find out what team might surprise you, what team might let you down? The Chargers, to me, look like that team that's going to let you down. And it's not a lot of it is out of their control. They didn't see Melvin doing the holdout a year early coming. And they are wise to try and play some hardball. 
But at some point, they're going to have to make a decision. The Okung stuff, Derwin James, that's out of their hands. Injuries happen. But you don't usually have stuff like this happen already. So next week, when I'm making these predictions, I think that the LA Chargers might be missing out on the playoffs for me. Allow me to keep it in the AFC West where Antonio Brown has kept the Oakland Raiders in the headlines all offseason long. With two instances that are very, very unique. First, his feet. Which was an unfortunate sight to see. And completely tearing up the bottom of his feet by going in the hyperbaric chamber without the appropriate footwear. Uh, That situation had a lot of uncertainty around it, but it looks like he'll be good to go on that front. Then there's the helmet issue, which came out, was pretty wacky, then had a huge escalation because he threatened to retire if he wasn't able to wear the helmet that he wanted, then lost the grievance backed off the retirement thing, but is still trying to fight it to figure out what kind of helmet he can wear. And yes, AB deserves criticism for some of this stuff. The injury uh, to his feet, while not intended, certainly something that could have been avoided. Him wanting to wear a specific helmet understandable. One of over 30 players last year that took advantage of the opportunity to continue to wear um, a helmet that wasn't approved last season, Um, but everybody else has changed over, so for him to be the last one, uh, the lone holdout of that group, I understand him taking some flack for it, but unsurprisingly, it has escalated. Uh, I read not that long ago what is probably the most popular weekly column uh, that covers the National Football League. And in this column, it was suggested that maybe the Raiders should move on from Antonio Brown. And that's laughable. The article actually kind of tried to make you think that the Steelers moved on from Antonio Brown because of all of his nonsense. That is a lie. A.B., with everything that he did, skipping Week 17 and requesting a trade, the Steelers still wanted him to stay, but he was traded because he requested a trade. This is now where people lose me. If you want to give A.B. slack because he needs to be in camp because you want to see him continuing to build with Derek Carr and being around his teammates, I get it. But I can already see that everybody is going to try and blame all of the problems that are potentially going to be there for this Oakland Raiders team on Antonio Brown. When Antonio Brown is not a question mark for this football team. Lest we forget that last year, Antonio Brown led all of football in receiving touchdowns. Why? Because he's the best wide receiver in football. And that's been true for over half a decade. He's the best player on this Raiders team. Do you want to know the question marks that hang over this team? It's whether Derek Carr can play like the franchise quarterback they pay him to be. You know who's going to help him play at that level? 
Antonio Brown. You know the other big question mark surrounding this Oakland Raiders team? Is if John Gruden could be anything more than entertaining. Because he's great on Monday Night Football when he was there. He was great. He's great on Hard Knocks right now. But can he coach in the NFL in 2019 based off last year's results? No. You know who might help him change that answer? Antonio Brown. You want to know the biggest on-field question mark this team probably has? Can they touch opposing quarterbacks after sending Khalil Mack to Chicago last year? The second fewest sack total for a team last year was 30. The Raiders finished last with 13 sacks. And yet somehow in week five, when they managed to not touch an opposing quarterback, people are going to gear up and try and blame Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is widely accepted as not only one of the best players in this league, but one of the hardest workers in this league. I get the flack for not being there yet. And yes, the Raiders should want him there. So frustration from their GM, Mike Mayock, and frustration from Gruden, and even players on the team, it makes sense. But please, please, do not start trying to ship out the best player by a country mile on this roster. Please stop any notion that this Raiders team would be better off if Antonio Brown wasn't on it. And for all, please, please, when it's week five and the Raiders, a team that through five weeks is probably pegged to be one and four, are one and four, don't blame Antonio Brown. Because there are a lot more problems with this Raiders football team than Antonio Brown. All right, I'm closing this thing up with some college football and the build-up to the kickoff for the college football season. I'm going to be going over some of the biggest storylines to watch out for over the course of this season. For me, the top storyline, the one I am most interested in, is this the year for Jim Harbaugh in terms of it being maybe his last year or is this the year he finally gets to the college football playoff? Michigan absolutely has one of the best teams in college football. Ken stake a claim to having not only a top 10 defense, but maybe a top 10 offense. Returning Shea Patterson, bringing in some help on the offensive side of the ball. Everything is there for this team to win the Big Ten. And Harbaugh, it has been a bit of a roller coaster because I think he overachieved at the beginning and then the expectations changed. The one thing that's remained true is he cannot beat Ohio State. And this year, he has to beat Ohio State. He absolutely must for so many reasons. First of all, he has the better team. You might make the argument that that was the case last year, but it's certainly the case this year. He has the better team. The game this year between Ohio State and Michigan is in Ann Arbor. And of course, that's a big deal. Home field matters, especially in college football. And also, Urban Meyer's gone. Harwell cannot be getting outcoached 
by Ryan Day. That's not a shot at Ryan Day. It's just that if John Harbaugh is going to live up to his reputation that some have for him as maybe it's top three head coach in the sport, he certainly paid like it, he has to be able to win that game. If he does, then they should be in the college football playoffs. And if they're in the college football playoffs, they do have the roster to compete with Clemson, with Alabama, with Georgia. If he doesn't, if he doesn't beat Ohio State again, he's never beaten them. If John Harbaugh cannot beat Ohio State again, it might be it. That might be it. it. He might not be coming back. And I'm not even saying that that's the right move. Because it's hard to find a coach as good as John Harbaugh. The Michigan program was not in a good place before he came. And he's absolutely helped turn it around. The decision to split might be mutual. It might. But, oh man, is it going to be really, really hard for Harbaugh to come back to Ann Arbor if he can't beat Ohio State this year. I'm sure the NFL will still be interested in him. He might just decide that it's time to move on. Maybe Michigan will be fed up and they feel like what they're paying for, the results aren't there if they can't beat Ohio State. There is a lot to look forward to this college football season. And there's a lot that is going to happen before we get to that game. A lot that's going to happen before we get to that game. But I'm circling it already. It's my game of the year. It is the defining moment for John Harbaugh's time at Michigan. If he does it and he beats Ohio State, then he can take claim to the throne of the Big Ten and potentially go on a major run at his alma mater. If he loses again, John Harbaugh might be done, and his time at Michigan might be over. Can't wait to find out what the answer to that one is. That is it for the podcast. Thank you guys so much for stopping by, keeping in touch. If you aren't already subscribed, make sure you do that. This is not going to be just some flash in the pan. There's going to be a lot more of these. Uh, As again... Uh, we get ready for the football season, so please do subscribe. If you want to drop that five-star rating, that would be lovely. Follow me over on Twitter, at the Kevin Walsh. Thank you guys so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time.